Welcome to TalkScript, a superset of a podcast about JavaScript. The presenting sponsor of TalkScript is SitePen, a JavaScript consultancy helping companies improve their apps, tools, and teams. Check it out at sitepen.com. Let's find out if TalkScript is your type of podcast. Hello, world. Welcome to TalkScript. I'm your host, Paul Shannon, for today, and I'm here with Neil. I'm just happy to be here. And Eric Osmundson. Hello, world. Did I say that right? Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> Excellent. And Sam Menza. A bit easier to pronounce. (laughs) A bit easier to pronounce. Yeah, there's fewer syllables, certainly. So we're here today with a couple special guests that have recently joined SitePen to talk about onboarding and TypeScript and technology and how it all fits together. So before we get there, we wanted to update people a little bit on the TypeScript community. A couple of biggish releases came out. And one of them being Node 12. Mm -hmm. So Node 12 just got released. A lot of it is related to kind of internals and how it works and stuff like that. The interesting stuff is that it's trying to modernize their module approach. And one of the things they're doing is that they're getting closer to ES6 modules. And then there's some other sort of behind-the-scenes module preloading stuff that they're working on as well. So it's kind of nice seeing Node get a little closer to modules that would kind of have a shared interface with the browser. That's kind of good. Yeah. I hear everything's just going to compile down into WebAssembly, and that's the future. Well, no, we're going to write WebAssembly from scratch in the future. Like robots. (laughs) Like robots. I like that. Like my computer engineering college experience. Lots of assembly. How long will it be until I can just show my computer a picture of the website I want to design, and it will do it for me? I'm pretty sure I see ads for that on Instagram, so. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) Okay, and then the other big release, at least it's all over my Twitter feed, is Svelte 3. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a lot of experience with Svelte. It sounds nice. Some engineers of SitePen are pretty stoked on it, so that's kind of fun as well. Yeah, that's definitely true. I know that you know in terms of frameworks, it's one that takes a along the same lines approach, but slightly different, where it, it leverages the build system a lot and does things like pinpoint the surgical updates on DOM rather than running a virtual DOM system. Right, like we're doing with Dojo 2 and and React does and lots of frameworks do. And it also uses the build system to do things like data binding as well. So it kind of, it says like, hey, we have a build system. We're going to leverage a build system, which is kind of a neat way of looking at things. So they don't use a virtual DOM, but they do update the DOM from some imperative way. Yep. Surgically, I think is the term or something like that. Yeah, exactly where things need to be. I wonder what happens if, or if things ever get out of sync. I mean, people are smart. I trust people. People are smart, mostly. It sounds like they did a lot of work on the developer experience and making it a little bit easier to get things bootstrapped, among other things. So a good quality of life update, from what I understand. Well, that's exciting. I do want to look more into Svelte and some of these other technologies. So that's awesome. Congrats. Yeah, we've been talking about, like, I think we need to commit someone to do a lunch pail on it sometime. All right, so let's go ahead and jump ahead. We posted a Twitter question out to the community. Last minute, yeah. If you're a listener here and you go on Twitter, we'll probably post it again as well. We have um, a question out there asking, what's a new web technology you started looking into recently? And what's your experience been with it? And so I'm going to answer that soon with Svelte, I think. I'm going to take a look there and kind of get a chance to see what that's all about because people are really excited, so... 
But when somebody's excited about it, it's probably worth at least looking at. So that's my next thing. Yeah, that's on our TalkScript Twitter account is where we post that question. Right. So at TalkScript, go ahead and provide us feedback. And we'd love to hear what you're looking into and, you know, start seeing what the community is up to. Yeah, so as we were talking about this, we told Eric that we didn't have any responses. And he told us that he had seen a fun new attribute in HTML and the DOM that we had never, I don't think any of us had ever heard before. Yeah, it's actually an old attribute, but new to me. On the anchor tag, you can provide a ping attribute with a list of URLs that you want to hit anytime someone clicks on that link. And I think it's used for, you know, link tracking. I'm sure it's great for marketers and analytics companies, whoever. I never personally used it, but I read an interesting post that exposed me to it, talking about Chinese developers or hackers, whoever, were uh, using it to implement a DDoS attack by sharing uh, a page, I think on WeChat, and then users were opening it. And then they had a little script that would create an anchor element on the page with this ping ping attribute containing the URL that they wanted to DDoS, and then they would programmatically click on it, and they just kept creating more elements, clicking on it, and just doing this and ramping up. And they had a lot of users on mobile that were DDoSing whatever target that they wanted. And I think it gets around cores and some other protections that people might have in place. I think that it would be pretty easy to mitigate it. When you click on that, it posts to the URL that you include and the body has just as ping. And so you could put that on your, uh, you know, web app firewall or, you know, somewhere upstream and, you know, prevent that. But it was just a, a little reminder that even when you've used, you know, HTML, CSS, these web technologies for a long time, I, at least personally, I still discover new things that I either wasn't aware of or maybe had forgotten about. You would need a lot of people to DDoS with just pings. That must have been a good meme or something that was being passed around. Yeah, yeah. It sounded like they were, you know, like I said, I, I mentioned WeChat. And so I think that it was something that must have been getting shared. And then, yeah, so it, again, <laughs> a little bit of a social aspect to it of having some <laughs> engaging content to keep everyone on that page. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. I wonder, hmm, I'm going to have to look. I wonder if everything that you can click on has a ping attribute. So you can just start adding pings everywhere if it's just links. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks, Eric. So now we get to kind of our main meat and potatoes part. Let's go ahead and start with Sam Menza. Sam, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what your engineering experience is, and have you used TypeScript before, or is this your first time? Sure, yeah. So I started web development, I guess, in college. That was my first job. I was working for the school's IT service, um, developing their site for them. And then after college, I moved on to this company as a health insurance company, actually, where I worked there for a couple of years and finally want to move on for something uh, greater. And uh, I found uh, where I'm working at now, which is SitePen. So I got a question about college. Do colleges teach HTML or JavaScript or any of that stuff yet? So mine did. Oh, good. Yeah. So I I was kind of doing a weird thing where I was taking some computer science classes and then some in this program called, it was called Digital Media and Design, which was kind of a program where it was supposed to, they had a couple different tracks and one was web development. So it was basically preparing you to be a web developer and it was very project oriented where you'd get a project from like a local group or like a nonprofit or something. And like like us as students would basically like get together like as a team and develop a site. So it was very like 
realistic and I thought it was a good preparation for a job actually a lot more than like most computer science classes yeah computer science is more big ideas at least when I went to college so that's good to hear that there's at least programs out there now on the the web development side and I can't remember if I missed it had you written TypeScript before you joined SitePen Yes, I have. So the previous company I was working for used Angular, so Angular 2, which is TypeScript. So I used all the TypeScript there. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) counts. Yes. (laughs) So that's where I was first introduced to TypeScript, and I've been using it for a couple of years now. So yeah, I have a bit of experience. Awesome. Well, before I get into your experience there, let me jump in and add Eric to the conversation. So Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself and what's your engineering experience and when did you start using TypeScript? Yeah, so I've been doing web development in various capacities for a fair amount of time now. Uh, I got interested when I was younger, just interested in computers. And as the internet came to fruition, got pretty on board with that. I also worked for my university while in college as a web developer and did that. And then after school, I worked for a large media organization for a number of years and then kind of moved on to just a lot of freelancing. I've been self-employed as a full-stack web developer for a number of years and have worked on various projects along the way and I've dealt with a fair number of technologies, but I've never committed myself solely to one item. And then uh, decided that I wanted to focus on JavaScript and really up my expertise there and found SitePen through Neil, who I previously knew and consequently have come on board here and have enjoyed it thus far. Regarding TypeScript, I had no experience with TypeScript really prior to joining SitePen. I was aware of TypeScript and had been TypeScript curious at various points, but this has been the first time that I've dealt with it on a day-to-day basis, and it's been good so far. Yeah, SitePen was my first time really using TypeScript. Like we kind of looked at it prior, and you know, I joined about five years ago, but looking at TypeScript prior to that, it was like, ooh, this is Microsoft, and I know Microsoft. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, when I first started hearing about it, you know, I had this similar reaction of, oh, it's, you know, something from Microsoft, and coming from, you know, preconceived notions of Microsoft and the internet, it did not come across as something that I thought I would be interested in. And then, you know, same with some other, you know, compile to JavaScript frameworks. I thought it was just adding more complexity to the stack. You know, there's more steps involved, more things to break. I, you know, you look at some of these other frameworks and, you know, just thought, oh, why don't I just stick with vanilla JavaScript and remove some of that. But then I've kind of come around from that way of thinking and, you know, consequently realized the benefits. Like I said, I've been enjoying the experience so far. Yeah, even when I started again at SiteBend three years ago, like it's grown even significantly since then to something that added types to this more robust, like with conditional types and a lot of being able to overload things in certain ways to where it's like really expressive now. Whereas kind of when I first got into it, it was getting to the point where it's just starting to evolve from, you know, that like typed language to a more expressive typed language. So it's just, yeah, the last three years, it's been cool to see where it's grown. Yeah. And Neil loves wrangling types. Mm -hmm. So I throw all my problems at him. I love the expressiveness, right? Like I love that way of being able to communicate larger ideas through types. Yeah, it's like putting ideas through a funnel and you know what's going to come out the other end. (laughs) Exactly. It's always useful. So 
Thank you for your introductions. We wanted to get into kind of talking about onboarding then and what your experience was, because while we use TypeScript a lot, and that certainly helps with the developer experience, we're also unique for a lot of companies is in that we've been a remote company now for was it 15 years, 100 years? Do you remember, <laughs> Neil? One of the two. It's one of the two. And so, you know, is this your first remote experience? And what was the experience onboarding from your perspectives? So, yeah, this is, I've worked in remote organizations previously, but not in quite the same capacity that I am at SitePen being a, you know, a full-time employee. It's been more of a consultant or a contractor position. So it's been a little bit different, but yeah, I think the, the remote aspect is interesting. It, a lot of it, I think comes from the perspective of the person getting hired, but speaking to my experiences at SitePen thus far, it's gone pretty smoothly. There was, you know, some good time dedicated to getting up to speed on you know, TypeScript in particular and some of the other technologies that are used frequently at SitePen. So, you know, regarding the technical onboarding, I think that went smooth. And then also, you know, one aspect with remote, there's no water cooler that you're going to congregate around every day. You're not going to go to lunch, you know, with your new coworkers. You're not going to be sitting next to them and bumping into them. And so I think that that has to be something that's not necessarily forced, but that is, you know, included. And there needs to be a strong effort put forth to communicate with the new employees and, you know, to make them feel welcome and to provide an avenue for them to interact with their new coworkers. And I think that's been good. I kind of had a buddy that I would chat about the onboarding process. If there, I had any specific questions about what I was looking at, you know, or if I had any TypeScript questions, if I had any procedure policy questions, anything like that, it was really helpful to have someone that I could lean on that could provide those answers every week. And then by, you know, switching that up occasionally, you get introduced to new people and you start building those relationships that you may build, you know, more smoothly in a office. You have to make a concerted effort to do so if you're in a remote organization from my perspective. Yeah, Sam, did you have a similar experience with onboarding? And what do you think about remote onboarding versus on-site onboarding? Yeah, I think my experience echoes Eric's a lot, that the buddy pairing is really helpful. It's funny because I, I guess it really just depends on what you do. Like a location can definitely help, I think, but it doesn't need to be the deciding factor of it being smooth or not. So I think for me, the big thing is that you have to be a little more communicative, like you have to make your presence a little more known. But outside of that, like, you know, do you have other observations? And Yeah, yeah. I think the communication factor is definitely a huge thing. I think even like small efforts, just like talking on video chat, like there's some like people that will just meet up and just talk on video chat every like couple of weeks or something like that. That's really helpful. But overall, like I came into this organization, like being remote, like willingly, like I want it to be remote. I just like the freedom of location that comes with it. And I don't like being constrained in an office. So for me, it was a very, very good thing. And I've had bad experiences with remote before my previous company that they allowed some remoteness to happen, but not everyone was remote. So you kind of came into this hierarchy of some people would who were in the office would know about everything because they would have these like 
water cooler chats, essentially. And, you know, the people who were remote wouldn't know anything. So I think having this whole company be remote changes a lot because everyone's on the same footing. Yeah, it definitely forces us to document things and not have those water cooler conversations as often. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's one important aspect that, you know, I think it's gone smoothly from my perspective, you know, in that Saipan is a remote first organization, you know, where if you have a mixed setup with a few remote employees or new remote employees, there does need to be somewhat of a mindset change just with workflow. You know, if you're scheduling a meeting, a lot of people, you know, if they're in a physical location, will, you know, maybe reserve a conference room or, or, you know, reserve a physical location for that meeting. But if there are remote participants, they're going to need some method, you know, to communicate. And so that gets forgotten a lot, you know, whereas when you're in a remote first organization, everyone inherently makes, you know, schedules a meeting and then either sets up a go-to meeting or Skype or, you know, organizes a Slack phone call, something that is, you know, by nature more inclusive than you would have in, you know, maybe a, a mixed organization. And then, you know, that makes things go a lot smoother when it comes to onboarding as well, in that you know that you're going to be communicating and you're not going to be left out of any of these activities. Yeah, exactly. When you're dialing into a meeting that is a physical location, you're instantly a second-class mm-hmm. citizen yep. to everybody else in that room. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, second-class citizen. So Sam, you kind of came into onboarding knowing TypeScript. So yeah. did you do some more work with TypeScript as you were onboarding just to, to kind of get caught up and then... What were the next steps after that? So there was that, I don't know if you remember, but there was that ES6 class and then there was a TypeScript class mm-hmm. that, you know, you had like the option to go through. So I went through both. Even though I already knew TypeScript, I figured, you know, I might as well like learn anything else that, you know, get the fundamentals down or something that I missed. So, and it was really nice overview. It was a completely new framework that I was working with though. So I guess that was kind of where a lot of my learning was. But in general, I think TypeScript really helped. I just feel like TypeScript helps with onboarding in general because you do have that ability to go through one like somebody's code and like see like an object's interface and like being able to like deep dive in the code by yourself. I feel like it allows you to do that. And it helps especially being remote because you're able to like look through all these like interfaces and see what's going on and like ask more targeted questions instead of, I guess, the alternative. So does it make you feel like maybe a little bit less lost when you're starting to approach something unfamiliar? Absolutely, yeah. Again, I guess it kind of comes down to like, I can go through the code a lot easier. And I guess I could like look through the code and not have to know everything instead of having to like deep dive through everything to figure out what things are. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you can see like the parameters of functions so you know exactly what's coming and you know like what the object's going to look like instead of having to... I guess, like, go backwards in the code and, like, look at what previous function was returning. It does make it easier in that aspect. The fact that it kind of spots errors at compile time instead of runtime really helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Specifically with onboarding when you're learning something, because I feel like, yeah, you do tend to make more errors when you're learning something. So it just really speeds up that process. Yeah, that's something I hadn't really thought about in terms of onboarding is that TypeScript kind of gives you an opportunity to fail privately. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) You know, it helps a little bit because, you know, there is always that concern when you're getting familiar with something that you're going to, you know, embarrass yourself, especially kind of at SitePen where even if you're coming in 
fairly knowledgeable. There are still people here that have been doing this for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned debugging time, and that's always one of the counters that I, whenever anybody complains how much extra time it takes to write interfaces and things like that, it's like, well, at least you're writing code, you know, like it's an interface. It's not like doing something directly. It's describing something, but at least you're writing code and not spending time debugging, trying to figure out the values of some return of a function. Like it's already there and already present. Right. Yeah. Instead of having to do console log everything, you could just look at, yeah, what's spelled out in front of you. I'm a fan of typing everything. <laughs> typing over obscurity, I feel like, is just really helpful. Did you feel some of the same things as you were getting into these various new frameworks and libraries, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I, aside from just the you know initial onboarding and getting up to speed with TypeScript, you know, I really saw the benefit once I got on a project and started looking at existing code. You know, the typing provides you know, an inherent level of documentation, much like, you know, Sam mentioned, that's been really beneficial of getting that right up front, you know, especially in some code that may not have, you know, a lot of explicit other documentation provided. And then also, yeah, like, you know, much like you mentioned, Neil, the dev time catching of bugs, you know, through the type hinting and, and everything else has been, I think, beneficial of preventing some of those mistakes getting included and, you know, pushed out to the code base. Mm -hmm. It's also been interesting from the testability standpoint as well. If you have an interface and, you know, if you're using dependency injection, you can mock, you know, a service and you can use the same interface as the, the actual one. And it makes it, you know, pretty easy to go in and, and write those tests for the code that you've created. Isn't it better in JavaScript where you can just guess about everything, though? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely nice having that safety net. And I find that like when I'm looking at other people's code, 80% of the functions that another function may use or where I'm looking, I don't really need to look into. I don't care about. I just care about what goes into it and what goes out of it as a black box. And that personally speeds me up when I'm trying to understand a section of code, especially if the function is well-named. So I can say, oh, this does this, and it for sure gives me this. Mm -hmm. Have you had a lot of success looking through code bases with TypeScript as a way of kind of cutting down the sections that you need to really understand and focusing on what's important? Yeah, I think I've absolutely had that happen, especially with onboarding with a new framework. I was able to get up and running right away and start contributing, most importantly, right away, where I feel like if it was written in JavaScript, I would really have to take a little bit of time just to walk through all the code and see what's going on. It also helps for code reviews as well, I think, because you're kind of able to more quickly see what somebody's getting at instead of having to walk through. I mean, you want to walk through the code anyway, but I think it really helps to give an overview mm -hmm. and also helps you learn stuff about their code, stuff that you might have not known before. Yeah, with interfaces, enforcing uniform styling is really beneficial because you're not making it up every time. You're hopefully using interfaces that already exist. And so that's a great point, is that you have this kind of shared knowledge that you bring together through those interfaces. Yeah. Speaking of contributing, I think you know we at SitePan allow for employees and engineers to get involved with open source projects. I think, Sam, you had kind of fun almost right away working on uh, sending a couple things related to the Dojo project. Uh, what's been your experience in terms of using TypeScript with open source? I think it kind of 
echoes the same things as I was talking about with the code review, because you're able to see what's going on with other people's code, other people's pull requests very quickly or a lot more quickly. And it definitely, again, same with the projects, helped me get up and running a lot faster with just like looking through the code and seeing what's the project was doing or the framework was doing. Had you done work with pull requests previous to SitePen? Previous to SitePen, I used a private instance of GitLab. So it was very similar. We called them merge requests, not pull requests. That was literally the only thing that was different, I think. <laughs> MRs instead of PRs. Yeah, we just we hate merge at SitePen. We, we rebase everything. Yes, I think kind of echoing the same thing as I said of previous projects that I've worked on. Mm-hmm. It's very similar. Have the interactions been good as you've been, you know, contributing to things? Yeah, the reactions like have been good, like people commenting on code and like me being able to improve myself has been really, really good. I think it could definitely help you improve your coding knowledge contributing to open source because people will comment on your code and see how they can improve it and through that, you learn how, you know, to do better. It also humbles you mm-hmm. as well because, <laughs> you you know, you do have those people who are commenting. And I think that's good, though. I feel like it can definitely improve you as a person and your skills. Have you had a chance to do much contributing yet, Eric? Either a SitePen, I guess, or previous to SitePen related open source. Yeah, not with any TypeScript projects yet other than what is currently an internal project, but should be open source in the future. But yeah, I mean... I've done, you know, a lot of my professional development has always been in private repos within organizations. There hasn't been open source projects. I have done a little bit in the past. And yeah, I mean, like Sam said, it's always interesting to be able to throw something out there and have another set of eyes on that, you know, occasionally someone that feels very strongly about their <laughs> the project and, you know, just navigating the process when you might have slightly differing perspectives. It's always been interesting, but it's always been, you know, positive in my experience. Yeah, GitHub and distributed systems have brought p- contributors really close to the creators of these packages. And so the interaction has been quite different in the last like five or 10 years since GitHub and a lot of those resources have been around kind of the same way that Twitter brings you like within inches of, you know, your favorite Kardashian or whatever (laughs) celebrity you're following GitHub and, and having these distributed code environments give you a chance to put pull requests into any project. Well, that's an interesting way to look at TypeScript as well is that, you know, the good thing is that it helps you get up to speed to with projects more easily and it helps so you don't have to understand the greater code base. But you know, on the other hand, there might be a little a few more hand slaps because you're not quite as in the weeds on a project that you're contributing to. So I mean that's something more for us as kind of the gatekeepers to be aware of as well. Yeah, I think when people talk about contributing to open source, I think it they make it seem like it's a very easy thing to do, but in fact, a lot of effort actually goes into it because you really need to learn like the the whole framework and and really figure out like what you're actually the project that you're contributing to. You need to figure out how to get it up and running, and where exactly you need to make that change and how you're going to make that change. Because a lot of people, a lot of projects have contributing guidelines. So yeah, and having people outside of the project come in, new members or new contributors, offers a perspective you don't get as a maintainer. Right. Yeah. It's reciprocal. It goes both ways, Mm -hmm. you know. I think it is a very good thing, but it's not as simple as people make it out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing ever is, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
So speaking about open source projects and TypeScript and JavaScript, how do you all feel about getting caught up to front-end development? I mean, there's always something new coming out and, you know, is it overwhelming? And what are your ways of seeking out resources and help there? Yeah, so, you know, much like anything web-related, it seems like it's moving a mile a minute at any given time. You know, it seems like there's always something new to get up to speed on. You know, there's always some new shiny thing that you want to chase after. And and yeah, it's can sometimes seem overwhelming to try and get up to speed or get caught up, you know, with some new technology. Fortunately, I, I feel like there's so many resources available, you know, whether they're like some standard documentation, you know, that somebody created for that, or, you know, it might just be a question that exists or, you know, Twitter, like you were talking about earlier, Paul, you know, provides the opportunity to interact with these people, you know, pretty easily. And it really lowers the barrier of entry for, you know, reaching out and communicating with these people that may have, you know, some domain expertise that you can pick their brain. So yeah, you know, I think that's a good aspect of, you know, the increased communication that's available. I think that within an organization, if you have the opportunity to maybe seek out a mentor that can kind of take you under their wing and kind of shepherd you through the process. And then also, you know, if you are in an organization filled with, you know, knowledgeable people, you know, figuring out a, you know, what people's knowledge base is, but then also what their passions are, you know, and really leveraging that. I know that recently we've had some fun conversations of some people that, you know, are very passionate about specific technologies and just being able to have some time to pick their brain and just get to some of the nuances of that technology and the aspects that they're, you know, really stoked on. It's just interesting to be able to, you know, have those resources available. The idea of passion is interesting because at SitePen we have a skill matrix, right? Where people list their different levels of expertise on a bunch of different topics. But I think that's something where we need to add passion as well, because asking someone, like we have a, a joke about how Brian Forbes is our Angular expert. But he he doesn't necessarily feel passionate about Angular. It would be helpful on our matrix to perhaps have it to where Brian doesn't indicate that he's passionate about Angular. That that would ruin the joke, Neil. (laughs) (laughs) Part of the thing about development being overwhelming is that a lot of people have ideas. And it's hard for everyone to know whether all the ideas are good. So we, we have a lot of people that follow different bits of what's coming out and can speak to whether there's something we should pay attention to or not. Or we can ask sometimes just if we should pay attention to things or not. Yeah, I think that's pretty much like how I've started to deal with like the fast moving parts of front end because it is extremely overwhelming. And at first I was just like, I can't learn it all. It's too much. But then I kind of just came to this point where I was like, I don't need to learn it all. I'll just let the hype police filter stuff Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) like pick you know, what things I actually want to learn and deep dive on. Like, some, like I react, I actually took some time and I like did a deep dive on react because I knew that that was something that was useful. Mm-hmm. GraphQL, it took like some time and I like actually learned it. But like a lot of other stuff I haven't learned because there is just so much going on and I don't care mm-hmm. <laughs> anymore because a lot of them are just fads. And if it is important, I will know about it. Yeah, I think that's the benefit of having peers to rely on. Like when you work with peers that are interested in all sorts of different things, you can, as a problem solver, use their breadth of information to 
solve a problem given a specific framework and how it works, you you can ask them and pick their brain and then go back and say like, okay, I can solve this problem. I've solved this problem a thousand times before in different frameworks. It's more of the same, just in a different mm-hmm. twist, you know, or a different yeah. language or whatever. Yeah, you know, Eric was talking about something that, you know, we were uh, both talking to another coworker, a site pen, who was really taking a deep dive into WebAssembly. All right, like the thing that was really useful about that is that he was... He wasn't just telling us like what WebAssembly is, but like when is it going to matter, right? Like when is it going to be something that is going to affect our lives? And having that kind of resource that can speak not just to like how things work, but like why they matter is pretty amazing. I know we've been, you know, speaking organization specific, but, you know, these resources exist in the community as a whole, you know, whether more local you know, whether it's through local meetups or, you know, user groups, but, you know, also online, you know, if you get involved, you know, either in an open source project or if you're seeking these people out on Twitter or on Reddit, you know, there's the opportunity to interact and, you know, find these people that are, you know, both knowledgeable and passionate about these technologies. And, you know, just by association, you have the, you know, opportunity to pick up on, you know, some of the knowledge that they are maintaining. Yeah, I think finding a good community wherever it is, like whether, you know, for us, we have a great community at SitePen, but there's lots of local stuff, lots of online stuff where you really can interact with some real cool, real talented people, as long as they all use TypeScript. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the point of making your own types. You can build <laughs> around that and make types. <laughs> All right, Neil, we we ready to wrap up? I think so. Unless uh, is there anything else you guys want to add? Yeah, one piece of advice I would give to anyone that is going through an onboarding process, particularly if it's not very well done or very well documented, is to document your experience of going through that onboarding, and then through that you can provide you know some sort of deliverable, whether it's notes, suggestions, you know, issues to the new organization regarding your experience. And that gives them something that they can use in the future to hopefully improve the process for those down the line. And it gives you a deliverable right out of the gate, even if you're new to the organization and not contributing to any projects or, you know, anything else you can walk away from the onboarding process with something that you can give back to the organization right off the bat. Yeah. And having that new perspective is awesome because we only ever have that experience once, right? Like it's hard for us to go back and yeah. theorize about how we would have felt or the problems that we ran into or the things we liked. Yeah, definitely. Well, Eric and Sam, thank you very much for providing your perspective. Fresh eyes is always, a, like Neil said, a, a one-time thing that you get a chance at seeing. And so I think in a lot of organizations, it's important to listen to your newest members to figure out what you're doing right rather than just you know pushing the train down the tracks. You can actually onboard people and bring in new talent. And we're glad to share that with you and happy to hear from you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, all, that's it for the week. Thanks to Sam and Eric for joining us as our special guests and Neil for being the smartest guy in the room. I'm Paul Shannon and I was your host. Remember, everybody, stay type safe. Thanks. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the TalkScript podcast. You can round out your TalkScript experience by viewing our show notes, listening to past episodes, subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, and of course, following us on Twitter at TalkScript. We record new episodes every other week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of TalkScript. 
a superset of a podcast about JavaScript. We got a good thing going on. Bah, bah, bah.